Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts, who is about to go cover a Big Ten baseball tournament game in Omaha for the first time since blank. I was I was not in the country in 2019. I know. So. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> uh, I covered most of that year. Me and did. BC split it. He took the championship game and I took everything else. Yeah. I, I guess it would have been the previous year then. 2018? Yeah. I, I feel like there was... There was some time between when they had the tournament in Omaha, right? Like, didn't they randomly have it in West Lafayette when they got lights or whatever? No, they, well, they had, they, they messed around. 2018 was in Omaha. Okay. Um, And then, see, this is going to bother me. Um, <laughs> They, they did two rounds up in Minnesota. And then I'm trying to see if Nebraska was even in 2018. It's been a while. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Well, look, you know, I mean, you're you're going to have an opportunity to be back in a building that you probably spend too much time in and have seen too many pitching changes and not enough home runs. I'm sure you're thrilled. A lot of pitching changes. Uh, 2018, Nebraska would not have been there. All right. Let's uh, let's Sorry. start with the baseball. We were okay. we we're going to start with the the commits, but we're into baseball. Let's just go with baseball. Yes. Um, Nebraska Rutgers. We already know Maryland's waiting for the winner of this game in in a pivotal second round matchup that I think really just kind of sets it up for whoever wins that uh, to to have the best shot at reaching the championship game. What what do people need to know if they happen to catch this before Nebraska plays Rutgers? uh in this game like what what's most important here for this game against Rutgers well I mean I think Nebraska and Rutgers are very similar teams like Rutgers is a very veteran group they a lot of the same guys that were in that lineup that came to Lincoln and won a series last year are still on that team Ryan Lasko is probably the most um high profile name there. He's kind of been mentioned with, with Max and Bryce among uh, potential draft picks. They pitch relatively well. They have pitching depth. Um, they field. Okay. I mean, it's, they were picked to, to finish second in the conference this year and they kind of underachieved. And 
So they're going to be starting a freshman today um, against Nebraska. He's been kind of up and down, um, you know, potential for a really good outing. He had, I think, 12 strikeouts against Michigan uh, in seven innings. He went – or eight innings against Michigan. He went seven against Penn State and double-digit strikeouts. So um, it, it's a quality arm Nebraska is going to see today. But, I mean, you you mentioned it. I mean, if you're going to go deep into a tournament, you have to win the first game. And – you know, for this Nebraska team especially, you, you don't have a ton of pitching depth. So you, you need things to kind of go by the script on the first couple of days to give your chance your, yourself a chance because it, it's, you know, you're getting Olsen today. You're going to get Kaminska tomorrow, whoever the opponent is. And beyond that, you just try and piece it together, which, you know, I, I think most years is pretty common, but especially for this team, it feels like, you know, it, it's it's really the third starter has been so up in the air for so long that uh, maybe that's almost a little bit comfortable for this group. Which, uh, which veteran needs to have a bigger impact on Nebraska for them to go further? Shea Shanneman, who might have to throw all the pitches, <laughs> or Bryce Matthews? Uh, well, I mean, you're, you're hoping that Matthews plays and, and plays a lot. Um, you know, he's still dealing with the back tightness. He was apparently moving around better on Tuesday before they headed up to Omaha. So you'll see what you can get out of him. Uh, I mean, Shanneman's their, their best arm out of the bullpen. He can throw a lot. Um, unfortunately for Nebraska, I mean, you, you Maryland got a pick when they wanted to play. They chose Tuesday. That gave Nebraska an extra day of rest for Olsen and, and Matthews. But what it also did was it kind of condensed things for everybody else on the back end where you're going to need a lot of guys to throw in a short amount of time if you advance. So I, I would lean Shanneman. I think my, I think Matthews is going to be able to hit in some form or fashion, but um, in terms of high leverage arms, which you have to have good performances from in a tournament setting. I mean, there's no more nobody on that roster more important than Shea Shanneman. We, we spent a lot of time talking about Bryce Matthews and Max Anderson, what they were doing this season, but the rest of the offense was no slouch either. I mean, what else does Nebraska have besides those top two hitters? Uh, and I assume it starts right there with, with uh, I believe, Gabe Swanson, right? Yeah, Gabe Swanson's been kind of the, the nice, you know, surprise third guy in that lineup all year. Um, the power numbers are there. You know, the, the thing that at least I think is – kind of trending well for Nebraska going into this tournament. Like the the power numbers are pretty well documented. Uh, but what they showed the last two weekends uh, of the Big Ten season was the ability to kind of play small ball. And they put down, I think, nine sacrifice bunts in the, in the last two weekends of play, which th- that was basically about what they had done all season to that point. And the other piece that's kind of come along with that is they're striking out a lot less. Um, that, that's been, I think, kind of the under the radar issue for this team is that they've been unable to put the ball in play when they need to. And I, I think they've done a good job of cutting that number down and just kind of playing good situational baseball to play. I mean, they in, in that series against Purdue, even without Matthews at the top of the lineup, I mean, they found other ways to score runs. So I think they're they're playing confident baseball. I mean, they, they've kind of been doing that since the, uh, the the blow up at Creighton where they had the players only meeting in the bullpen between the two games up in Omaha. So uh, you kind of need that attitude um, going into a, a, a tournament like this because you know you're going to have to play a lot of baseball. 
you're going to need guys that you probably have not relied on a ton to step up and, and give you either key innings or key at bats. And, and that's just kind of where things stand. I mean, I, the, this is kind of the ultimate backs against the wall situation for Nebraska. And they've known for more than a month, this is the only way they were going to get to the NCAA tournament was to win this, the, win the conference tournament. So here we go. Yeah. Do you, from the outside looking in, it's been hard to get a handle on this team because you just, anytime you want to extend like a fair amount of credit, they'll go and stub their toe. Um, so I guess as someone who covers it closely and talks with the people over there, what's your level of confidence that they can play relatively fresh and loose in a backs against the wall situation? Because you had that big Iowa series in April and it, it seemed like that was going to be kind of a, okay, you got to go take this if you're going to keep any at-large hope alive and, and everything else. And they went and they got their butts kicked. Yeah. I mean, no, so I... do, you, do you think they mentally have the the right frame of mind that they can kind of handle the pressure of being, okay, you're playing in your state, you're going to draw your crowd, but you got to also have to go win these games and put teams away. They haven't always done that in the past. Different group of kids here, but it's, for me, it's really hard to get a handle on. Can they be consistent enough to to get through a, a stretch like this? Yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to say with any kind of definitiveness there. Right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're fi- <laughs> no you're one's going to hold you to this. You're 50 games into this thing, and you still, you know, the, no the weird thing is, is they've played they've played good against Big Ten competition. It's you know, thank God they don't have to go play in the Summit League tournament this week or they'd really be in trouble. I mean, that that's kind of where things have been. So I don't know. I mean, I, they're saying the right things. I, I I do think the way that they've played over the last couple of weeks of the season, I mean, I don't know that I would call them hot, but but they're playing baseball the way that you have to play to have success in a tournament. I, I wouldn't bet on them right now. I mean, I, I think my – my issue with the team is I just don't know that you have enough pitching depth to, to to kind of win back to the tournament if you have to. Like, if you go back and look at at, at times when Nebraska's played pretty well in these types of settings, I mean, they've, they've really kind of been up against it. I mean, they lost the first game up in Minnesota um, the, the year – it was the – Schwarber's like sophomore year up there and they ended up kind of playing their way all the way through to the final day. And, you know, you, you, you throw Kyle Kubot on three days of rest in the championship game. I mean, you, you just kind of need those types of performances. And I, I just don't know that there's enough consistency there for me to say like, okay, I, I would, I would definitely bet on Nebraska, but you know, maybe you get hot at the plate. Um, you know, they've played in that park a ton. They're familiar with it. That's a little bit of an advantage there. Um, but I mean, you know, a team like Iowa, you know, ha- has good pitching depth. They're, they're swinging the bats. Well, uh, Maryland certainly, you know, is in that conversation as well, kind of waiting for whoever wins this game today. Um, you know, th- there's some teams that are, are going to be really tough outs and, you know, it, Nebraska really, I think has to win this first one or else it's just going to be so tough. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it well actually he might have gotten hurt. And now that I'm thinking about it, but wouldn't it set up for a team like Iowa because they played on Tuesday? If they don't lose, they would essentially be able to throw their number one starter on in the championship game on like five days rest. Yeah, 
you could you could bring them back that soon. I mean, <laughs> they have the the problem of having a potential first round major league draft pick as their Sunday starter right now. So yeah, uh, um, but yeah, I mean that's with adding the extra day to the to the format. Um, it it kind of at least gives you the advantage of if you play early. Whereas Nebraska getting that Wednesday game. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you, you get the benefit of the, probably the first night having your guy more fresh, but it, uh, it could get rough if if you advance, you know, farther into it. All right. Um, that takes care of it for big time baseball tournament. All the action will be on BTN, I believe. Yep. Uh, you know, throughout the day and there's, there's games, you know, they started on Tuesday and they'll be there all the way through Sunday. The weather looks relatively decent, fingers crossed, uh, for no long rain delays. And we'll see how far Nebraska makes it. Maybe we'll be doing one of these uh, in the future. And Brunts will be talking about random location that he'll be trying to get to for a regional. Or we could be <laughs> wrapping up Nebraska's very unusual season. And then getting into awkward conversations about what it looks like for next year when a lot of their best players are not coming back. So we'll save all of that uh, for when we actually need to discuss it. And instead, we'll talk about Nebraska's recruiting week in which they added a quarterback on the weekend and a offensive tackle on Tuesday from the transfer portal. Quarterback Daniel Kalen. Uh, this one, Brunts, uh, I'm going to talk for a little bit here, but this one, to me, it it's interesting noting how various people in the media are phrasing it. Because it feels like if you just went a like a week ago from Saturday when he committed, the percent chance of Daniel Kalen being in that class, if you did a straw poll of the media, would have been like 10%. And then if you get to, say, Tuesday or Wednesday, maybe it starts to inch up because Dylan Rayola has made his decision. And some people might think there's more hope there. You get to Friday, and that thing was like reading, just screaming 100%. Daniel Kalen's going to end up in this class. This thing seemed to happen really fast, and yet it took, you know, kind of like two and a half tumultuous years to get here. Yeah, it's... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a question for you, but we'll hit on this first. Like it, it is kind of crazy how quickly it came together. I mean, and I, I think a lot of that you have to give credit to, you have to give credit to Matt Rule and his staff for the way that they handled a very, very delicate dance of pursuing a quarterback and having, you know, the other kid right down the road and not really, I mean, pursuing, but not, I mean, you were, you were very upfront with them about where things stood, but I think also, I mean, when you talk about Daniel Kalen and we can talk about just, you know, we get into what he is as a quarterback. I mean, he's a very sharp kid. Like he gets it. Yeah. And that, that I think helps tremendously in this situation and everything kind of coming together. I mean, go back to even like the middle of last fall. I mean, like what would you have put the chances of him being part of this class under the previous staff, I mean, there was almost nothing there. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> you know, now we're what, five, five days removed from the commitment. And it seems like 
well, of course he's part of the class. Like, what yeah. what, what are you thinking? Like, uh, you know, he's right there. He's at Bellevue West. Right. He's a talented quarterback. Why? Uh, sure. Of course he'd be in the class. Yeah. Like, that's how it feels, right? I, I've had a tough time with it because I feel like there's a little bit of some whitewashing going on with, like, how this thing played out. Because at this time last year, like a year ago, and maybe a few days, I'm over there at Bellevue West talking to him as he's ripping up Lincoln Southeast in a seven-on-seven. And he hadn't heard from Nebraska since before Mario Verduzco was fired. He's right down the road as a power. Like, we don't have to do the whole, the previous staff really botched things in an amazing way. But you're not even talking to the power five guy right down the road. And this isn't like a Zane Floors where no one had offered until, you know, his February of his junior year. This is a guy that was offered by Florida State on Memorial Day weekend as a freshman, followed by Nebraska shortly after, followed by late, Minnesota. Was it wasn't later that night, like kind yeah, of awkwardly. It was. it was a very awkward, like yeah. you up kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh it's a deal where this is a known commodity. I, I remember talking to him and it's like Michigan state was really interested. Minnesota's really interested. And I'm just thinking, what the hell is like rail is committed to Ohio state. What are they doing? Yeah. What is the plan here? And it turns out there was no plan because there really wasn't a lot of hope, even at that point that this was going to be a long-term thing. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Mickey Jacob takes over. His introduction to uh, to Mark Whipple is in like mid September of his junior year. Like Whipple never found his way over to Bellevue West to even evaluate him last spring. And again, like this is all just going to get lost context in the oh yeah, I mean it's a Power Five guy right down the street. Of course they were involved. It's like no, they really had to like have the right recruit who had the right mindset that he wasn't going to take any of that personal. And I, you know, I think real highly of, of Daniel Kalen. I've talked to him a bunch in the last year. Uh, I talked to him when I was in Kansas City again. And he just is nothing but polite about how everything has played out when a lot of kids wouldn't be that way. And sure as hell, a lot of adults wouldn't be that way. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for him. But beyond that, he's also just an intriguing player because I think he, this isn't going to come off as a compliment, but I mean it to. I think he really is a Big Ten West style quarterback. Like, I, but I, I think he has far more potential than than what we've seen. But like, could he be a Nate Stanley type quarterback? Yeah, I think. And then again, like I understand that doesn't sound like this big compliment. Go look at Nate Stanley's numbers. He had a good career at Iowa. You know, like their downfall has come when they haven't had a guy like that that can push the ball through the air. I think Daniel Kalen can do that. He's also working on, uh, you know, trying to be a little bit more mobile um, so he can have more of a presence in the the running game as a quarterback. I also think he's a really smart individual. I think he's going to work incredibly hard. Like, I think Nebraska lucked into the best possible situation after doing everything it could to land the number one quarterback in the country. It ends up with a guy in, in Daniel Kalen that I think can be a long-term person at Nebraska that is going to push every year that he's there. And I think he's going to win people over. I think he's going to be an asset in terms of being a peer recruiter in this 2024 class. 
both near and far. And I think he's going to be an asset in this organization because of his mentality and his physical ability. He's Nebraska's most polished high school quarterback recruit since? Well, uh, we're talking guys that went to Nebraska, right? Yeah, high school. Um, Far more polished than Heinrich Harburg uh, was at the same stage. And I don't mean that as a slant because Harburg was far more athletic than Daniel Kalen. So it's a different type of thing. Um, far, I think more polished than Richard Torres. I think more polished than Logan Smothers. Again, we're getting into kind of things where those guys were successful in their own right, just like Daniel Kalen is. But there's like a difference. Like this is a guy that I think if as he a, was a, as a thrower, like honestly, if he could skip his senior year and end up at Nebraska right now and just, you know, obviously redshirt. I don't think he'd be that far out of place. Like there's a lot that he has to get better at clearly, but I just think from a, from a just being ready to go standpoint, like he's, he's definitely there. I don't know that his ceiling is going to be as high as some of the other people that we talked about. Harburg has a, you know, incredible ceiling, but the starting point, the floor is, is really high too, I guess is the other way to kind of look at it. Like, I would just be surprised if this isn't someone who's starting games at some point in his career. What, I mean, the, the other big piece of it too, I, there's two big pieces of it. I think the fact that it came together as quickly as it did at the time that it did is extremely beneficial for Nebraska. And two, what does this mean for local recruiting where Nebraska's in, you know, kind of an elbows out fight with a lot of schools for a lot of talented kids not only in Omaha, but just across the state too. <laughs> in Ainsworth, they're in yeah. a street fight every day in Ainsworth. Yeah. Just pistols at dawn every day. Have you day ever in been Ainsworth? to Ainsworth? No, I haven't. Should we just like you want to you want to ride up there someday? It's like four hours away. We can we can tour the whole town and then drive back. It'll be great. I like it. We we should fly into find a way to fly into the airport though. I want to do that. <laughs> I want. With the Georgia do, route. Do we have any listeners of a private plane that wants to fly Brunson and I safely? <laughs> To Ainsworth and back for a trip. We'll we'll make it worth your while. We'll record a podcast on your plane. Yeah, yeah. Just just the in the background. It'll be great. It'll be like it'll be like the days we tried to record podcasts in the car ride home after Memorial Stadium. Never worked with the lapel mics. Yeah, it almost worked. It almost worked. All right. Um. So that's Daniel Kalen. That's one of the big. Wait, you didn't ever answer my question. Oh, sorry, sorry. What yeah, I mean. mean? It's a, it's a big deal for in-state. I mean, I, I think it certainly helps with Isaiah McMorris, but I think Nebraska is trending well in that direction. Davon Hall, I think they were trending in a better direction than where they were in, say, February. Uh, but I still have some questions there. I, mean, I definitely think it'll help with someone like Carter Nelson. Um, you know, Caleb Pyfram, I feel like they were trending. Look, the, the dirty secret here is despite all the hand-wringing and all of the, oh, another staff's going to let all these guys get out of Omaha. Nebraska had put themselves in a pretty good position for several of these guys before Daniel Kalen had even committed. And so I think adding Kalen to the mix is going to be able to help there. Um, And I just, I I think they're going to walk away. I think I said previously five out of the nine, we're going to end up as Nebraska guys could be as many as seven. And that means they could sweep the remaining guys that are available. I don't think that they will. I mean, six is probably a safer number, but that's still going to be a, a pretty sizable chunk of your class you know one fourth if you will or one fifth could be coming from uh from the state of nebraska and that's kind of unique for for what we know around here well and it seems like it kind of matches up at a time too where you've got 
you've got skill players in the state that that are the types of skill players that you you want in your program. You yeah, know what I mean, like well, especially it, at wide receiver where you don't have any depth. Right. Yeah. Like it. It just feels like it's kind of coming, and even like class you know the 25 the 20 even the 26 class there's guys in that class that you know already have big 10 offers that Deshaun um, prince yeah that you know i i think Deshaun prince is it deshaun i think it's deshaun they those types of guys are the ones you need to recruit and and it it kind of goes back to the conversation too where it's like if you have guys from omaha from in-state guys having success it goes a long way towards helping you down the road as well no doubt about it. All right. The other big news, and there's plenty of news, and be sure to get to Husker247.com for recruiting stuff right now. I mean, we've got top fives. We've got official visits. we got all of that uh, popping up daily uh, with some news there. Offers still going out. But the big news yesterday from a big, big offensive lineman, Tyler Knack is joining the Nebraska program from the transfer portal. He'll come from the Utah Utes, where he's a true freshman last year, did not play. Um, and is now going to be a Nebraska Cornhusker. They've added Brunt's seven or eight offensive linemen, uh, depending on what uh, Jason Machachok ultimately ends up. Since Matt Rule got here in December, obviously some of those were holdover commits, but clearly an emphasis on overhauling that offensive line room. And if you look at the returning numbers, they didn't really didn't have that many people that were coming back. I mean, Justin Evans Jenkins is the only guy without game action that's uh, returning for Nebraska. And so they they really needed to to bring in. And, and there's certainly going to be an emphasis on bringing in more offensive linemen as part of that 2024 class as well. Yeah, it it's a nice bridge. You know, you, right now, you know, Nebraska's um, scholarship distribution offensive line, it, it's very top heavy. A lot of veteran guys in that group. Um, you have the, the 23 class coming in, um, you know, you've added some guys from the portal too to, to fill things in too. But, you know, this is a kid who at Utah, I think was seen as more of a developmental prospect. He had played defensive line up until um, his, his junior year of high school and switched over to offensive line, uh, 85 inch wingspan, um, which, which if you kind of look at where that falls in the, uh, the, the combine numbers that would, that would be towards the top of wingspan numbers for last year's combine. Um, you know, Utah kind of was in a numbers crunch. Um, they loved him as a, as a developmental kid for a couple of years down the road, but just didn't have the, the numbers to carry him. And you go back and look at his recruitment in high school and, you know, Virginia, Oregon state, USC was there. Uh, certainly Utah has done a great job of recruiting offensive linemen in in the past few years. So, um, you know, Nebraska is getting a kid that I don't think that you need necessarily need him this year. However, you know, when you start having these conversations about, okay, you know, who's, who's filling in behind who, I mean, you had Gunnar Gatula as a true freshman and early enrollee playing with the second group. Yeah. Um, I like him for depth right there in that spot during, during the spring. Um, that's that's a little bit of a concern. I mean, I feel like Nebraska's okay at the interior positions. You've got a good mix there, uh, but you needed some tackle depth. And, you know, I, I think he was a, a kid that Nebraska saw kind of a toolsy tackle, um, you know, 6'6", 320 with, with a big reach. Uh, that, that's a good place to start from. So, uh, 
you know, as these portal recruitments go, it was a quick courtship. It was basically a week that they made contact. He came on his official visit on Monday, left on Tuesday, uh, committed on Tuesday, and he's going to be back in Lincoln on Monday to start uh, summer conditioning. So move your stuff quickly, get to Lincoln. But, you know, that it's interesting. I, you know, Matt Rule was pretty adamant that he wasn't going to get anybody out of the portal for that line. But I think there's – there's still some spots that, you know, tackle is one of them, I think. I mean, if there's a wide receiver out there that, you know, maybe we don't know about, that might be another spot that you'd think about. But, you know, they, they've at least got the room for it. I know publicly they're over the scholarship number, but I think they've, they've gotten back to where they need to be um, behind the scenes where, where I guess where it matters. So, uh, but this is a good pickup, I think. I mean, it's, it's a guy that, you know, going to the next season, maybe um, can, can get himself in the mix to potentially um, they're getting that too deep. Yeah. I love him as Teddy Prohaska insurance. I mean, he still hasn't played more than five games in a season uh, in his career. And so if you have that kind of backing him up there at left tackle, that allows Turner Corcoran to get comfortable somewhere else, you don't have to potentially go through um, that route again. So I, I like it for that reason. alone. Brunch, have you considered this, Every coaching staff that you have covered has attempted to go into Utah at some point in time. (laughs) Every single staff. It's sort of fascinating, um, but I think quietly the Salt Lake City area has exploded in terms of talent that the Pac-12 has been mining for years that the rest of the country has sort of started to figure out because when you, you kind of see... Uh, these guys that come from the West Coast, they tend to really like to get over to Utah. And we we saw, you know, a little bit with, with Bo Pelini, with Jared Afalava, and I think there was a couple other guys they chased in Utah as well. Uh, we certainly saw it with Mike Riley and Tavita Thompson and that staff and their efforts uh, into, into, uh, into the Utah area. We saw it with Scott Frost even before Donovan Rayola was there, and we've seen it a lot. You know, Donovan Rayola, I think, has some connections in that state, and he is he's trying to use those. I mean, he's got another official visit uh, with a guy that I believe that you uh, you talked to his uh, coach, right, at uh, Salt Lake City West out there uh, yeah. when they came out for the, the red-white game. Yeah, it was kind of a midweek visit. A lot of these – or a big group of kids from that school came um, and, and, and kind of checked things out. Uh Kind of a random name for him, Anaya Brown, uh, former Nebraska defensive lineman, then ended up transferring back to BYU. Uh, He's an assistant coach there. Uh, His son was actually on the trip, which, I mean, that makes makes you feel a little old. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's tons of line talent. And I think the the thing that that Donovan Rayola has done is I think he's he's spent a lot of time in Utah. I mean, uh, he's kind of hard to track when he's on the road evaluating, doing that kind of stuff. But – he's spent a lot of time there. I think he's done a really good job of establishing relationships with kids. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, that coach told me, he's like, you know, the kids just needed to see it. And I think after they were able to be in Nebraska for a little bit and they were kind of on a, (laughs) they were on a spring break trip. They went to Nebraska, Miami, and Oklahoma state. Those are the three places they stopped. And, you know, th- those are not typical locations where kids from Utah go. 
And I think there's an opportunity opportunity for for uh, Nebraska there. I mean, you know, Matt Rule's really big on the family feel of things. I think that's something that kind of resonates, um, you know, with, with with kids when they come. And we'll see if they can can land guys. Uh, is it Nuku Mafi? I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's making an official visit in June. I wouldn't be surprised if a couple other kids uh, from that group also make official visits as well. Uh, I just know that you know from talking to that coach. Um, they were really blown away by, by the visit. So, um, you know, we'll see if they can have some success there. It's been really hit or miss with Nebraska in Utah in recent years. And I think the, the pull to the PAC 12 is really strong. So we'll, we'll see if they can, can break that. But I, I think Nebraska is at least starting to see some fruits of the labor there. Um, at least early on, we'll see what it results in. I think I found a new podcast bit for us. Like we can every, Every episode, we'll just pick a different state to discuss Nebraska's success or lack of success in recruiting. <laughs> It'll be like Vermont. Don't know anybody. Next, yeah. yeah, we just have to do one a podcast until the season starts. Everybody, dial in for that main podcast. The Black Bears. <laughs> I, you know, having been up there, I don't know that football is the biggest uh, biggest thing going in Maine, but. We'll you see. might you might see some former Husker scholarship guys end up up there out of the transfer portal. I've, I've noticed a few main offers um, towards guys. So, yeah, look, there's, there's worse that. places to go spend a few years of your life. I'm sure, probably so. I am sure. All right, uh, Michael Brunts is up against it because he's got to get to Omaha to go cover Nebraska baseball. Um, I don't have anywhere to be. I could stay here and talk to you, and he could just depart. But I'm not going to do that. I'm selfish. I, I like to work with other people. Uh, so be sure to check out everything we got going at Husker 24-7. Plenty of content going up there on the website. I don't know if we'll have another podcast later this week. Uh, if we do, it might just be me. I'm working on trying to get Daniel Kalen uh, potentially on the podcast. So if we can get that to happen, that could be coming uh, here shortly as well. So not quite sure on the podcast schedule, but we might have one for you later this week. If not, we'll try to get back in our usual Tuesday-Thursday format. Next week, as Brian Christopherson joins us from his vacation. And uh, as always, if you're in your need for your Husker fix, get to Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage there. We'll catch you later with more podcast content.